One of the things I always like about this series, and it's kind of fun, it, it, it put yourself in my position for a moment, because this has happened every year. This is the fifth year, and, and we have three opportunities this year to do it. And the last week, we, we had had two services. Well, the first time we only had, the first time we did this, we only had one service. But, um, but eventually, this is what's going to happen. Some, some musician, not one of ours, or not one in the band, but someone else will come to me after a song, and I've talked about maybe it did a message with some, something or another about that particular song, and, and they'll come up to me, and I promise this has happened every time. And, and somebody, not every time I've done this, but every year, and they'll say to me, you know, you, your message really had nothing to do with that song. And I know you took it this way, but I'm telling you, this is how it is. And if anybody tells you anything differently, they're wrong. This is how it is, you know. And then the next service, you know what's coming, right? Somebody says, comes up to me and says, you know, your message really was right on with everything about that particular song. If anybody tells you anything, anything different, they're wrong. This is how it is, you know. And so I love musicians. They're like, this is how you interpret this song. Um, <clears throat> isn't that the great thing about art, though? Uh, of any kind, you can you, you kind of come away with how it hits you and so forth. This particular song, I am not going to try to um, tell you exactly who Gina and Tommy are and what the docs are and whether we should have a strike or whether we should uh, uh, live off our waitress wife or or whom or girlfriend or whomever she is. Um, I don't really know what Bon Jovi's intent was, and he didn't answer my email about that uh, when he wrote this. But I know what the Bible says about living on a prayer. So what I'm going to do is take that whole thought, that whole concept of living on a prayer, and just take you to the Bible and show you some things that the Bible says about living on a prayer. And uh, hopefully you'll learn something. Hopefully uh, it will help. And as we think through this whole thing of prayer, and we've talked about prayer many times here recently, actually, in the summer, we talked about it too. Um, so, and it's one of those things that we really can't talk too much about. And it, it, it's something that's so much and should be so much a part of who we are, uh, whether or not we're, we're sold out, devoted followers of Christ, or whether we're still sort of just trying to figure it out. Prayer is a part of all of our lives. We may realize it. We may not realize it. But prayer's there. So I want to begin. I, got, I, got, I had a whole bunch of stuff. And I, and I, you know, looked at the time. I got to limit this thing in my preparation, not this morning. And uh, I had a whole list of, of different things of what it means to live on a prayer. So I condensed and, you know, made things a little shorter. And I have six things. I'll go through them very quickly. Some of them more, I'll spend more time on than others. But six things about what it means to be living on a prayer from the Bible. Okay? And I'm going to show you some different verses and so forth from the Bible as we talk about that. The first one is really sort of key to everything else. So really, i got one plus five, if you want to put it that way. Because the first one kind of gives you, I hope, an understanding of what it means to really pray in the first place. We know it's talking to God. But so many times we think of prayer, and, and, and just there's a little test for you. If I were to say to you, um, what do you think of when we say we should pray? Some of you would say, well, I think we should go to church and kneel. That's kind of what I'm used to. Some of you would say, well, I just think we should bow our heads and wherever we are and just really talk to God because that's, what, that's your tradition. Some of you would say, well, I think really if we're talking about serious prayer, we need to go out alone into the woods or by ourselves somewhere, uh, Arboretum, excuse me, in New Jersey, and, and, um, and, and you know, just be alone with God. Well, I hope you can do any of those if, the, if that makes you 
more aware of the presence of God. But I want to take it a step further because I want to show you what prayer really is. Living on a prayer, literally, as I'm going to take it, means you're just continually aware of God's presence. You're just continually aware of God's presence. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, somebody called it a God consciousness. I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through a, whole, a whole slew of verses here just to kind of make a point. These are all written by the Apostle Paul, different parts of the New Testament. Watch this. Colossians. We always, emphasis, always pray for you. And we give thanks to God the Father for our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. Pray for, pray for me constantly? Yeah, all the time. Romans, God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart telling others the good news about his son. Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote yourselves to prayer. Ephesians, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. What I want you to see on that whole thing is real simple and real plain, and yet it may be a new concept for some, and that is prayer really is a conscious, just a continual understanding of the presence of God wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. I may be out. I may be out you know, going somewhere, I may be driving, I may be sitting, I may be on the train, I may be you know, going into a, into a business meeting, maybe doing whatever it is that I do. It's still being where God is here. His presence is here, and God help me with this. Or God, you know, help this. It's just being aware of His presence. And it's sort of, some people call it conversational prayer. Whatever you want to call it, I don't really care. I just want you to understand the concept. Living on a prayer really means just being continually aware of the presence of God, because he's wherever I go. By the way, when one gets that concept, it changes sometimes how they live, too. Because if you're aware of the fact of that God is with me wherever I go, and whatever I'm doing, it may curb you from saying something you shouldn't say, or doing something you shouldn't do. Because God is there, and he is. He's there all the time. Think about that. All right? So that's the first thing that I want you to because one of the common misunderstandings about prayer is that, that it has to be a time that I cast everything aside and concentrate solely on God. I hope you have some times like that. I really do. And if you don't, that's a good thing to do. But I also hope that you will be aware wherever you're doing, whatever's going on, God's there with you. And you can talk to him. Now, sometimes people, I was doing that the other day. I was walking and I was thinking about some stuff. And I, you know, I, I usually am more aware of this than when I was then, and I was just talking to God about some things. And you know what happened. Somebody walked out and saw me, and they were, I don't know who it was, somebody just saw me walking down the street talking, you know, and <laughs> I just acted like I was on the phone. I was like on a Bluetooth. I was just like, yeah, okay, okay, you know. And uh, I did, I did that. But anyway, because um, I was talking to that crazy pastor over there. Um, so anyway, there you go. That's the first thing. Living in a prayer means you're continually aware of God's presence. All right? Now, let's go into these other ones and just keep that kind of keep that in the front burner of your mind there. And let's go to these other ones. Living on a prayer. Living on a prayer means that I live with an optimistic hope. I like this one. It means that I live with an optimistic hope. What do you mean by that? Let me show you this. It's a great verse. Ephesians, I pray, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand. Here we go. The wonderful future he has promised to those he called. 
I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. You got a great inheritance. You say, well, is that talking about heaven? Yeah. Is that talking about other things too? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I want you to see. One of, one of the things that is a clear aspect of a life of faith in Christ is the assurance, to use a, the lack of a better phrase, that he's looking out for me. That he's looking out for you and he's looking out for you in the future. That's a, there's a lot of optimism in that. It doesn't mean that everything's always going to be great. It doesn't mean there won't be some dark days, some dark nights, some dark seasons your life doesn't mean there won't be some of that but when you understand that God loves you and that Christ came and died in your place for your sins and rose again to give you to give you a new kind of life when you understand that folks i mean that there's an optimistic hope in that and that's what one of the one of the characteristics of of the believer should be that hey you know what at the end of the day i may feel like trash i may feel like this or that but at the end of the day there's a there's an optimistic hope because there's a god in heaven who loves me more than i can fathom and has done all the things that need to be done to forgive me of my many sins i can get pretty excited about that i can get pretty optimistic about that um opposite of that being cynical being negative being hugely pessimistic being you know whiny Oh, life. Oh, yeah. You know, here, here's a cool thing. You know, one of, the reasons, one of the reasons that I love the Bible is when we listen to what the Bible teaches and, 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 and follow it, you know, aside from the fact that it's what God tells us to do, it's just, you know, it's just better. I mean, who likes whiny people? You know, nobody likes whiny people. And, and God says, don't do that. Is it because people don't like whiny people? No, God doesn't want you to because it's not good for you. And it's also, by the way, a sin against him. It's kind of one of the cool things as we, as we see things God's way from the Bible. That's why I get excited about the Bible because it just, you live it the way it's taught. And it's just, life's better. It's just better. And, and nobody would argue with that. Because then if they do say, oh, you, you would argue with that. That means you would like pessimistic, whiny, negative, whiny, hugely, hugely pessimistic people. You like that, huh? Help yourself. Go. Okay? No, we wouldn't like that at all. All right, there you go. Living on a prayer means we live in an, with an optimistic hope. Okay, next thing. Third thing. Living on a prayer means you're asking God, watch this one, to grow you. This is important. You're asking God to grow you. Watch, look at the verse. Philippians chapter 1. I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. By the way, that, that's for each other. Let me just interject something. That means your husband and wife, too. Mm, yeah, that your love will overflow more and more for each other, your family. And that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and in your understanding. Living on a prayer means that we ask God to keep us growing, to keep us fresh, to keep us vibrant. And there's many ways we can grow. We can talk about those personal growth, there's spiritual growth. There's other kinds of growth. What, what are you talking about here? Yes. All the above. Sometimes, sometimes it takes us being able to, to put a face, a face on certain things that keeps us to, to, to get our mind a little more open. I have a, an old friend of mine 
um, who really kind of was responsible for me coming back to, to golf. God bless him. I'd given up on it because I couldn't conquer it. Still can't conquer it, but I'd have a better attitude now. And um, most of the time. And, um, and he kind of he brought me back to that. And my first, first church that I'd pastor is in Birmingham. We're talking, uh, God, it's going to date me, but this is like uh, 80-ish. Um, I think I first took that church in 77, 78. And so, and I got to know this old retired guy at that time. Pretty crotchety, pretty grumpy. Had been a sheriff in Birmingham, Alabama through the 50s and 60s. He had stories. And, um, and, um, and he just had a dramatic change of his life uh, from just an old crotchety bigot to a person who had a heart for God and people, except for one little caveat. And that was on the golf course. And I remember being on the golf course, and the first time he said this, he said, I heard this, he said, ah, you know, golf course ain't no place for women. I said, excuse me? I was just, you know, messing around. And I mean, you know, he said, golf course ain't no place for women. I said, you don't mean that, do you? I, yeah, yeah, I mean that, yeah. And, and we, we chatted, and it's one of those things, you just kind of let it go when you think about it later on. But I mean, he wasn't joking. He seriously meant that. And every now and then I would bring it up and, and just sort of in a kidding way and it wasn't something that was going to go anywhere. Anyway, I left the church, went back a few years later and he was much older and, and, and still, still kind of getting around the golf course a little bit, not, not too much. Probably the only guy I can beat, so I played him. And um, he said, oh, i got somebody else going to play with us, Rich. I said, it's fine, it's fine. Lo and behold, a young lady in her mid-20s shows up to play golf with us. And I said, well, what's this all about? He said, oh, we've gotten to know her, my wife and I, we really love her. And, and she had been an assistant pro in, in the pro shop, and he'd gotten to know her, put a face on this thing of this, this, this bigotry that he had. And by the way, she could, she could beat any man in any game of golf any time. She was just one of those just 300 yards down the middle, you know, chipping a putt, birdie, boom, 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 boom. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But anyway, it was one of those things where this guy just took a 180. He grew because he's able to be exposed to something different. And it was really encouraging to see. Now, I don't know whether it's like that for you or whether in there are other areas that God wants us to grow. And that's part of the purpose of the Bible. That's part of the purpose of putting ourselves in situations like my friend did, to be exposed to different people, different, thing, different things, so that we can kind of open up our minds a little bit. Um, one of the things, one of the really important things that we are attempting to do at Renaissance is provide more and different, this is just, let me give you a little commercial in here, um, to, to provide more opportunities for growth besides just what we do on Sunday morning. Hopefully this helps you grow some, but we want to do other things too. And, and that's one of the things we do with some of the stuff, some of the stuff that we do with our young people, but also some of the Bible studies we do, women's group, men's group, which is starting up again. We got, we got, we got Clay is going to start something here real soon, as soon as we have space. Uh, like in the middle service, we're going to have a, a Bible study type of thing that he's going to be teaching. And we do that so that people can be exposed to other areas of the Bible so they can grow in their faith also. Doesn't mean you're always going to agree on everything. Thing. doesn't mean that you accept everything whoever's teaching is whatever they're te- it doesn't mean you accept everything that they teach but we want you to learn we want you to f- you know think for yourself through that and don't stop there important aspect of growth has to do with talking to god reading other things you know talking to people on all of that and that's what he's talking about here god wants you to grow because the opposite of growth is being stuck it's, be, it's, 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 not, it's to not be willing to look and relook at particular issues 
and at truth as you seek to understand it. To be closed-minded, we would call that. Well, the, the prayer that the Apostle Paul gives us, and there are many other places, but the prayer that he gives us in Philippians is that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and in your understanding. Don't stay stuck. Stay fresh. Stay vibrant. Read. Read something that maybe you may not necessarily agree with. Oh, Lord forbid. Yeah. Read that. Be good for you. Doesn't mean you have to buy it, you know, and accept it. But it's good for exposure to look at it and think through that and so forth. So living on a prayer means that I'm praying. I'm asking God, God, help me to grow. I don't want to stand still. I don't want to just become some old, stale, never-growing, closed-minded type of individual. Fourth thing, living on a prayer, I've done this so many times, living on a prayer means that you're just looking for good old-fashioned divine help. You know, just looking for good old-fashioned divine help. You know, and that, let, me, let me show you this. This is the Apostle Paul again writing. He's writing from a prison, and keep in mind, prison most likely, as we understand it, was, was like a house arrest, probably was in an apartment in Rome, um, not, all, not a luxurious one, I'm sure, and most likely, as we understand the culture, probably was chained to a Praetorian guard, a guard. And, uh, and so he was very limited. You say, well, at least he wasn't in some damp, dark dungeon somewhere. No, that's, that's probably true, and that would have been horrible, you know, however... You know, I don't know how you are, but I mean, to think about being just chained and not being, just being able, if I'm not chained, just so you can't leave your house. I have a wonderful basement. To be said, for somebody to say, you can't leave your basement for days upon days, oh man, I'll go crazy, you know? Um, I've only been in jail probably about five or six times, and um, to visit, I heard those, to visit. Okay, that's the only times I've ever been to jail to visit. I got to tell you, even when you're there to visit, some of you maybe have experienced that. Once you walk in, and you know, and of course they have to lock the door behind you. That's a weird feeling. Because you're thinking, wow, at least for me, I'm like, you know, if they don't so choose to, there's nothing I can do. It's kind of a weird feeling, even though you're there innocent and you're there to visit somebody and who's also innocent, of course, or he wouldn't be there. And, and uh, no, I'm just, just kidding. Um, and and uh, it's just one of those things. But I mean, and, and so I can, I can relate to the Apostle Paul situation here. I can, I can relate to this. And, and, and look what he says. He says, for I know that as you pray for me, pray for me, and as the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will all turn out for my deliverance. I'm praying that God will deliver me. He says, I'm asking you to pray and to pray for my deliverance. He's, asking, he's just asking for what I call just good old-fashioned divine help. You know, for you, it obviously probably isn't jail because you're, you're here. Um, but it might be some other kind of thing that seems to be closing in around you. Finances, financial pressures. Job pressures, career pressures, might be physical stuff some of some here are dealing with. Might be some relational stuff that's just ripping you apart. And you're like, God, I need help. Might be emotional needs. We have some single folks praying for God to send them the right person. You know? 
I don't know what it is for you. It could be a lot of different things. I'll, I'll stop there on my list. It could be a lot of different things, but the point is this. Living on a prayer means that you're looking for good, old-fashioned, divine help. And you know what? Let me just say this. Um, never lose. Never lose that, that desperation that, that drives one to his knees, figuratively or literally, to simply say, God, I really need some help here. Never lose that in your own way. And you know, I know people who pray that, and sometimes they even have doubts about God, but they're still praying to God. That's okay. That's okay. You know, when you lose sight of the fact that you, that you need God, and whether you believe in Him or not, uh, you're getting dangerously close to self-centered theology, and you don't want that. Because that ends up being a self-domination in a word that's just selfishness. Everything surrounds me. That's not a good place to be. Living on a prayer means you're looking for good, old-fashioned, divine help. Fourth thing. Fifth thing. I know, I lost track. Living on a prayer means you're looking for something missing. Okay? You're looking for something that is missing. Two verses I want you to see. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. I like that. Tell God what you need. Don't be afraid to do that. Every now and then I run into people say, well, you know, I'll never pray for God to help me do a deal. Why not? Why not? Well, that's... You don't think, you know, it's not your money anyway, it's all God's money, you know? So, so what's, what's the deal with that? Pray for God to help you do a deal. Pray for God to give you success. God obviously answers prayers in many different ways and sometimes not at all. But that doesn't mean you can't pray. So, it, 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 so that's the first thing. He says, you know, tell God what you need and thank, thank Him for all that He's in. Now let me show you another verse. Night and day we pray earnestly for you. That's pretty cool. Asking God to let us see you again. Now watch, 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 watch. To fill up anything that may be missing in your faith. Point of interpretation. Is he saying, he's saying, we're praying that God will use us to fill up anything that may be missing in your faith? Possibly. But, but whether or not it's them, we know it involves that they're saying God to fill up everything or anything that may be missing. And you got something missing in your faith? Lack of assurance, lack of confidence. Lack, you know what? Ask God to help you with that. You say, well, I'm not even sure I believe in God. Ask God to help you with that. Well, I have some doubts. Ask God to help you with that. He's not going to be offended. God's pretty secure. <laughs> he, he, he's not even bothered by those of you who don't believe in him. <laughs> I think sometimes God probably is humored by that. Okay, you don't believe in me. Look at life. <laughs> It's okay. God still loves you more than you can possibly imagine. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that doesn't change it. It's still true. Living on a prayer means you're looking, you know, you're praying and asking God to help you with the things that you really find missing. You know, in the song, and I'm not, this will be the only interpretation of the song that I'll do. Uh, Tommy and Gina are praying and, you know, he's on strike, and which is another issue. Can we talk about union labor? No, it's no. Um, you know, a guy's hungry, but he's on strike. That's just one of those kind of an oxymoron. But anyway, um, in, in the song, they're talking about how they're just living on a prayer, living from paycheck to paycheck. Um, they're just getting by. 
I thought about that as I listened. I listened the first time, I, you know, not the first time, but one of the times that I was listening to this, the, and the, the arts department here is so compassionate to me because they put all these songs on a CD for me and I listen to them over and over again because some of them I haven't heard in a long time and some not very much. And I listened to that song over and over again. I thought about that. You know, they're just getting by. We're just hanging on. Some of us know that feeling, don't we? It may not be financial. Maybe it is, but it's in a lot of, we're just hanging on. We're just living on a prayer. And that's part of the whole thing. We're living, we're looking, we're, we're asking to God to help us in something that might be missing in my life and, and in my relationships. And, and that's going to be different for different people. And you're going to have to make that fill in the blank for yourself on that. But, but pray about that. Ask God for that. Last thing. Living on a prayer. Well, living on a prayer means that you're constantly, constantly aware of God's presence. Living on a prayer means that we live with an optimistic hope. Living on a prayer means that you're asking God to grow you. Living on a prayer means you're looking for good, old-fashioned, divine help. Living on a prayer means you're looking for something missing. Here's the last thing. Living on a prayer means we seek to live our lives in a God-honoring way. This is so big. We seek to live our lives in a God-honoring way. Let me show you two verses. Um, Hebrews, pray for us, for our conscience is clear, and we, here it is, we want to live honorably in everything we do. Pray. Pray. He's saying, you know, I'm asking you to pray for us. Pray for yourself. You ever make that prayer? God, help me to live honorably today. Help me not to fudge the truth when I'm tempted. Help me not to lie when I'm tempted. Help me not to, to try to evade what, what, what's a difficult issue and, and, and do something else with God, help me to live honorably today. And the other thing, watch this, Second Thessalonians. We keep praying for you that our God will make you, watch this, worthy of the life to which he called you. Here you go. This is to the person who, who's, who's, a, who's a believer in Christ. That God will make you worthy of the life to which he called you. And we pray. Watch this. We pray that God, by his power, will fulfill all your good intentions. You got good intentions? You know? We pray that God will fulfill your good intentions and your faithful deeds. God, help me to fulfill the good intentions that I have, that many of us have, that we don't fulfill. That's a prayer. Not a cool prayer. God, I have some good intentions. Not always, but I have some good intentions. And when I do, I got, God, I need, I need you to help me with that. I need you to help me with that. Here's the thing I want you to, I, want, I need to wrap this up. Um, you know what he's talking about here? Something that I've been more aware of, I guess, after I turned mid-50s. He's talking about legacy. I had a chat this week, uh, recently, with a friend. We're talking about legacy. And my friend, actually, we were talking about a funeral. What I would do at his. I have those conversations from time. It was, it was, and it was a very uplifting time. It wasn't, well, we probably both shed a tear, but we, but... It was very, it was just real, it was real good lunch, really, talking about those things. And I don't know whether I'm at that season of life where you hear about different classmates and so forth who have, who die or are close to death. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, when you're 20 or 30, you think, I, I thought, at least I'm going to live forever. And you hit 50 and you're thinking, 
probably not going to live forever. And I really can't have a midlife crisis because I'm past that, you know? <laughs> Having a midlife crisis at 57, I'm going to live to be 114, okay? Um, funny how that works, isn't it? But we talk about legacy. And, and really what he's saying here, what he's saying in these verses is basically this. He's saying our prayer should be not in a profane way. God, 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 I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. That's true for me. That's true for you. Wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever your sphere of influence, that should be, God, I want to make a difference. Doesn't mean I sell everything and move to Calcutta. Wherever I am, what I'm doing, God, I, 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 I want to make a difference. That's what he's saying. My life would be worthy of the fact that Jesus came and gave his life for me. Help me to live my life like that. That I can make a difference. That's a prayer. Make that your prayer. God, help me to make a difference. Help me, be, help me to be worthy of the love that you've shown me. Let's pray. And, and, and I'll tell you what, let's just stand. Let's stand where you are. And let's, let me pray and ask God to, to take those thoughts and maybe just, you know, plant them into our heart and mind. Um, I'm going to pray. And, and this will be my benediction as well. And you all can take off. But uh, uh, let's just pray. God, we are grateful that we can think about these things that really matter and talk about them in a way that will be honoring to you and, and, and helpful to us. Help us to think through some of these things, God. Help us, help us to literally live on a prayer, not out of simply desperation, sometimes that, but out of intentionality. Help us to live on a prayer as we seek to live away in a way that will honor God in heaven who sent his son Jesus for us. We thank you and we thank you for your grace and for your love for all of us. We pray now that we would go in that grace in Jesus' name, amen.